This is Parking in Bitterman Circle number 41 for October 26th, 2006. Hey, this is Aaron. Welcome to Parking in Bitterman Circle. Coming to you from Terminal 4, Madrid Airport, Madrid, Spain. Um, it has certainly been a while since uh, I've turned on the recorder. Uh, lots happened. But uh, we'll just catch up the best we can. Um, I'm over here on tour, and we've been here for nearly a uh, little over three weeks. And uh, we started off with uh, six or seven shows in Italy, and then worked our way over to Spain. And we just finished Spain last night. Um, town called Santander, which uh, there's my wonderful American accent showing up uh, with all of the pigeon Spanish, pigeon Italian that I was speaking the past couple of weeks. Uh, my slight need to be chameleon-esque is uh, starting to fade because we're on our way to uh, Scandinavia where uh, the people speak better English than we do. Um, Our time in Spain was really kind of neat. Um, we finished up the Italian run, and uh, Angela came over from the United States to join me. We, uh, my current employer, has a very uh, reasonable way of working. He likes to work for about two weeks, and then go and spend five days with his family, and then go back to work. So, in the case of of, of touring in Europe. Um, we're given the option of either camping out where they uh, where the next city is, or we can take our chances, go where we want, and uh, turn in um, you know a certain monetary amount of receipts for that period of time. Uh, once I had heard that we had a break on the front end of the Spain trip, I figured this was the perfect opportunity for me to finally return to the place of my birth, which is a uh, town in the central south coast of Spain on the Mediterranean called Malaga. Um, at one time, well, when I was born, it was much more of a uh, sleepy town and, and the actual town where my parents lived uh, was a little fishing village about six kilometers away from Malaga which is uh, sort of the capital of the region. Um, in comparison to other parts of Spain it is both more built up and less built up. Um, it is uh, part of the Costa del Sol region which is turned into a retirement and vacation area for um, non-Spanish people, mostly Germans and English people from the United Kingdom. So um, there is a lot of development similar to what we see in, in Mexico as far as condos, golf courses, uh, resort hotels, and, um, and accommodations like that. Um, that is mainly to the west of 
the city of Malaga, and that extends to Torremolinos and all the way, probably all the way to the Rock of Gibraltar, which um, actually is attached to, if I'm not mistaken, is part of Spain, but it's actually um, somehow controlled by the British. Um, Spanish don't talk about it much, but uh, there you have it. It also means that you are literally within uh, jumping distance of Africa. Just two, you know, I think where we were staying, we were literally two hours from uh, being able to cross into Africa if we, if we chose. So, um, I was coming from the Netherlands and I actually came into this Terminal 4 um, part of the airport, uh, left security, grabbed my bags, and met my wife who had come in on another airline and we checked in and got on our flight and flew to Malaga. And it was uh, a long day for her. I think she had 28 days, uh, 28, 28 days, 28 hours of travel. So she was pretty whooped. But we got in in the afternoon into Malaga and um, I was, I did some research and tried to find a place that was close to the neighborhood with where my parents live in a uh, section of about, about five or six kilometers east of uh, Malaga center called Pedro Galejos and um, I found a um, a 19th century villa which was transformed into a hotel this uh, this villa I, they, I think they, they turned into maybe a, like a 15 room hotel and um, it certainly was charming. We we actually paid to get one of the nicest uh, rooms, which was uh, up on the second floor in sort of the attic region. It had its own courtyard and um, vaulted ceilings. And it was quite nice. So the the hotel, as it turns out, only was about three three and a half blocks from where my parents had uh, lived when I was born. Which was, like I said, was the was the motivating factor in not being in the center of town or in a resort area. I wanted to kind of go on this little pilgrimage to um, find the town where I was born, and um, and uh, I found out where the hospital was. I found out where the where where the day stayed. And, some other aspects about it and um, in the couple of days that we were there we did the tourist thing there's a beautiful cathedral there are two there's um, two castles um, on the hills over Malaga um, like parts of Spain um, up until I think it was the 14th century 15th century um, 15th century I believe um, the uh, Muslims actually ruled over Malaga and um, the Catholic kings finally uh, scooped it away from them in that period and uh, so there's a lot of um, Arabic influence on design and um, on the first day Angela and I went to uh, uh, 
um, our first full day, we went to the Picasso Museum and also to um, the um, Alca. Um, what's that? I'm gonna get it wrong, of course. Um, I'll see if I can get it right before we get done with this. But Al um, Alcazaba, which is this lower of the two um, castles, and uh, in a lot better shape. Um, the Picasso Museum was interesting because, uh, obviously, um, Pablo Picasso was born in Malaga. That was his birthplace, and that's the reason why my father chose to go to Spain was because he wanted, as an artist, he wanted to emulate uh, Picasso and paint the bullfights and um, sort of get into that vibe. So he, he and my mom came over in, I'm not sure exactly, but a course this would be the early 60s during while while um, Franco was still in control of the country and um, it was very inexpensive uh, my dad says it was about a hundred dollars a month to live over there if you know I think that's probably a lot but uh, food and and, and uh, lodging wasn't very expensive at all and um, at the Picasso Museum it was kind of neat because um, not only was there a good exhibition of his work, but in the basement there was a uh, architectural, excuse me, architectural. Yeah, it was lovely. Actually, the architecture was actually lovely of the building, but in, there was an archaeological um, exhibit in the basement showing um, Roman and Phoenician ruins that uh, existed underneath. And in fact. As we found out from looking at these uh, castles and uh, directly in front of um, the castle and between the castle and the uh, museum, they actually found uh, a Roman uh, amphitheater and uh, the excavation of that is, is underway. I mean, uh, when you come over here and you look at the histories of these places that are been around for thousands of years you realize that they literally history is literally built right on top of uh, of each other that um, uh, the cathedral of Malaga was built on the side of a mosque you know and, and this is the same thing you see in the Middle East and in Europe where whoever gets their hands on the property just um, converts it or you know raises it and then um, you know builds on top of it and then you know thousands of years later people are able to um, excavate and find uh, Phoenician Roman Arabic and Catholic um, stuff buried one on top of the other um, I remember that I think it was in I was in Zaragoza or one of the other cities in Spain years ago and <clears throat> I was walking through the center central area and um, we, I went from a, a Roman wall to um, like a 10th century church to a 15th century cathedral to a early uh, mid 20th century um, art water Piece that was there, and, and realized that uh, unlike the United States, there are areas in, here in Europe where you can walk through and, and literally see over 2,000 years of 
history um, on display, um, um, which a lot of people, I, I suppose, that live in the midst of it take it for granted, but at the same time, they, uh, they uh, obviously uh, know it's there. It, it gives a certain weight, it gives a certain stability to those places to know that um, you can still touch these stones, you can still touch these things uh, that um, people hundreds of years ago um, were living on and in. Um, when we arrived in Malaga, the temperature was rather nice, probably about 80 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was sunny, and um, you know, the rest of the world is, is uh, for the most part, the rest of the world is starting to experience fall. It was still very, um, still very warm and, and, and nice. This obviously being one of these places, why, why people move there, because it is warm and temperate and sunny and 80 a lot of the times. And, and in fact, uh, Spain, just in the week that we first got here, was experiencing its first rain. Um, in months and months. If you needed any proof that I'm in an airport, you're getting it right now. Uh, in, uh, in stereo sound. So, um... Uh, you're not really going to enjoy any of this. But, um... We did the tourist thing, we did our shopping, I did my little uh, pilgrimage, I found where the hospital was, I didn't actually go into it, but I found where it was, as we were, we used the city bus most of the time to get around, which was very simple and very, uh, um, very affordable and, and, uh, and clean and, and efficient, and um, we would go in town and, and putter around and shop and, and go do touristy things. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go, and I actually found where my uh, my parents' little house was, and it was still there. And I was so pleased to find that it was still there. I remember seeing pictures that, you know, they look like they're from the turn of the century, but of course we know that's not the case. It's only been about 40 years that um, it was still there. And considering all of the changes, all of the dramatic changes that these areas have gone through and the way that developers have a way of coming into prime areas, just leveling everything and putting up um, ugly, current, common crap, say that quick, um, it was still there. And if you walk down to the beach in this uh, little town um, in Pedro Galejo and the neighboring town on the other side of the uh, Arroyo, which was uh, El Palo, there's nice little restaurants, little um, stuff on the beach, and um, we were very pleased to find that it was still very charming. Now, as you got to the west of town, um, there was a lot less of that. Um, but we enjoyed our time in Malaga. We had a very, very nice visit, and then. Um, after a couple of days, three days, I think, uh, we flew to Madrid where the tour was going to uh, resume in a couple of days, and we spent a day wandering around Madrid, which, um, if you've been there, or if you haven't been there, uh, I'll just let you know, is definitely not enough time. It's really 
in a place like Rome or Madrid where um, s generations of kings existed and built where you have dozens and dozens of sites and huge buildings and churches and cathedrals to go to that after a while you just sort of get cooked on it and you don't really want to deal with it um, um, I finally had some time to wander around uh, Rome. Actually, I did. <laughs> me and one of my uh, coworkers, one of my buddies, uh, we actually had the afternoon off in Rome, and we went and uh, went into central Rome near the Colosseum and and, and the uh, um, I think it's a Venetian place or um, Venetian Plaza. And we did our laundry. I found a coin laundry and did our laundry and had something to eat. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, that we were out on Vespas and, and going to all these historical sites and going into the Colosseum. And I'm like, well, I did my laundry. First things first. You, can, you know, you're not going to feel good unless you got some clean clothes. But um, it's the same thing. I just got to a point when we got to Madrid, um, Angela and I were doing some shopping. And, you know, the thing about some of these cities is, is if you can very easily get turned around. And all of a sudden, you come around a corner, and there's another outrageous building with a giant statue on top of it. You come around a corner, there's a huge plaza with hundreds of stores. You come around a corner, and all of a sudden, there's another walking street that goes on for three quarters of a mile. And, and, uh, and then all of these rabbit warrens off the side where you can just shop incessantly. Angela's comment was, and I don't blame her, was, you know, this was like a weekday. I think it was a Wednesday. She's like, don't these people have jobs? What are they doing shopping all day? And I go, well, it's just the way it is. But um, when we got to Madrid, weather got a little bit uh, rainy, and then uh, we ended up playing the bull, uh, the Plaza de Toros, the bullring in Madrid, and it was a muddy mess. And Angela got a chance to see uh, our show in Spain. Our Spanish fans are incredibly passionate. Um, they just kept getting better and better and better the whole trip. Um, by the time we got to uh, Barcelona two nights ago, um, it was just feverish. I actually had an opportunity to talk to uh, my employer yesterday, and he was just like, he was still in on. I mean, I, considering, considering what he's seen and how many years he's been doing this, uh, he was just still, I just couldn't believe, he was like completely in awe of what transpired the night before to literally have every single person in the building on their feet, waving their hands and singing along um, and having a blast. I mean, you just don't see that. You certainly don't see it in the States. You certainly don't see it most everywhere else. These people were not afraid. They were not afraid to sing and have a party and 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 show their love and and sing and dance together and that's really a lot of fun when you can do that um besides madrid we ended up going to um valencia um i think i've been to valencia before but i had a chance to see the uh calatrava building that's there the uh city of uh arts and sciences and it looks like a giant um, seed pod. I mean, it's it's immense. Um, I have pictures of it on my Flickr site, links through the BittermanCircle.com site, 
as well. And um, uh, as show notes, I'll, I'll put a link there too. Um, Calatrava is the one who is uh, designing the bridges that are going in in Dallas, which are not terribly, <clears throat> excuse me, not terribly popular right now because uh, of um, the amount of money that they cost and the fact that they don't really, they're not really going anywhere. Um, but a remarkable architect, and it was really cool to get to walk around a building and just see how outrageous it can be. Um, so that was nice. It was a slightly rainy, rainyish day. Then uh, Valencia, Granada, and Barcelona, and then Santander last night. Um, Barcelona, we played the uh, Palau Saint Jordi, which is uh, the large, very large um, Olympic um, arena. It's huge arena, and. Um, the place is, this whole tour has been packed to the rafters. Um, and the other thing that you have to get too used to over here is uh, it's like a 10 p.m. showtime. So, you know, we'll still come at the same time, but boy, does it turn into a long day. You don't get done until 2, 3 in the morning. And um, because of the restrictions of uh, driving in Europe with, uh, with the buses and the trucks, um, things that would only take would only take four hours in the United States... Uh, end up taking six or seven hours because of um, the laws they have here to for safety. They um, the drivers um, are put on tachographs, so every every brake and every bit of driving and all their speeds are are kept on a record that uh, are attached to the uh, the energy or car of your vehicle, and they're required to. Um, take a break every couple of hours and every four hours you got to take a half an hour and every eight hours they have to take an hour and in order to do some of these longer runs in order to make it in time you have to have double drivers two drivers so they can switch back and forth um in order for us to make it and some of the uh, we came into one um granada i think we got in at noon yesterday in santander we got in and we didn't start until noon um, so those 10 o'clock times were um, somewhat welcome, but boy, uh, I'm, we're all, we're every, I, I'm looking around at some of the guys that are here, and everybody's really tired because uh, our show got down probably at 12.30 last night, and um, probably people got done with work at 3.30, back to the hotel by 4, and we had a 6 o'clock call to come to the Santander airport and fly to Madrid, and now we're flying from Madrid to Copenhagen for a day off um, before we do all of Scandinavia in three days. Um, we'll be doing Copenhagen, um, Oslo, and Stockholm um, before we head to Germany. We've already been in Germany. We did one German show, and uh, we're going to do another. So... Anyways, um, the tour is going well. It's a very reasonable schedule. Some pretty challenging little moves, but at the same time, um, a pretty reasonable schedule with two nice five-day breaks over here, which, uh, as much as I enjoy Europe, it's really neat to be able to have my employer um, give us the opportunity to kind of hang out over here and uh, at least give us the opportunity to be nauseated by the... uh, all the cathedrals. 
Uh, let's see. Any uh, any other stuff going on? Um, part of podcasting in a public place is, is uh, the fact that uh, most people think you're insane or talking on a phone. Um, whatever monologue I create, um, sometimes I'm walking right now currently. I'm, I'm sitting here and just uh, prattling on to you, gentle listeners. Um, let's see. What's different about this trip? This part of one of the things that's different is I um, I upgraded and got myself um, a new handheld, and um, let me just tell you a little bit about that. Um, second week of September, um, BlackBerry released the BlackBerry Pearl, the eighty one hundred, which is a small sort of candy bar shaped phone, which is a quad band um, email browser type phone with also with uh, a whole media aspect to it. It's also the first BlackBerry with a camera, though it's a one megapixel. Some of the pictures you see on uh, the Flickr site and on Betterman Circle are um, these one megapixel pictures, which aren't great. Obviously, we all know that uh, um, there are multi-megapixel cameras out there. Some of the photos from uh, Malaga, my wife brought her camera, which is a 9-megapixel camera. They're much better. But um, I've actually I've taken some nice shots, depending on the lighting, um, with this uh, phone. Um, the other problem is, unfortunately, I forgot my uh, other main camera. And uh, so I'm limited to this. But it's very interesting to have um, a device with me, which I can browse with. I'm very pleased with the phone, by the way. I mean, this is not a really good review at this point because um, I'm not being very methodical about it, but um, I, I like having the f- I like having a, f- a quad-band phone, which works over here. I like having um, instant access to my email and to text me- international text messaging and, um, and to browsing. Browsing is, is pretty good. It's not so much like uh, the sort of WAP phones. It's a little bit better. You, you know, you actually get images up. Um, this phone accepts attachments. I can take, I can get pictures, I can get Excel files, I can get Word files, and I can open them in uh, this uh, in this BlackBerry as well. Um, the other aspect is, is that it takes a micro SD um, memory card a little teeny tiny one that's about the size, smaller than a postage stamp, which uh, uh, is up to a gigabyte of memory, uh, which I can put my photographs and ringtones and MP3s on because this actually has a stereo output. It has a speaker speakers that you can listen to this stuff on, and you can actually uh, plug in a headset and use it as an MP3 player. You could actually make your own MP3 ringtones and assign them to people as well. So um, that's really very nice. You can also just take pictures straight from the phone, email them to people, or uh, you know, MMS them to people. So it's a great device. Um, it's also got Bluetooth, so I can actually uh, either transfer by USB any of these files back and forth to my computer or I can actually use this as a modem for my laptop when I'm trying to handle something that the, uh, the uh, phone's little browser won't handle. 
it's uh, like most airports, it's just gotten rather busy here. Um, you probably hear all of the traffic, uh, people coming through. Um, so, um, this is my first foray into the Crackberry world, and um, the Pearl is interesting because it doesn't have a scroll wheel, it's got a little Pearl, a little tiny uh, trackball in the center of it, and you it also uses a Shure, I think it's a Shure type system, which is um, most keys share uh, two letters, and uh, you just sit there and poke away at the darn thing, and it decides what you're writing about, and about 98% of the time it's right. And um, it's turned out to be uh, rather handy, and um, I'm rather pleased with it. Um, it's also been that our internet service over here has just been for shit, and, and this is something I need to um, address as well. Um, recently, um, the broadband um, requirements have probably quadrupled, if not more. Um, if you've got a 17-piece band, if you've got a 25-man crew, and everybody is trying to Skype or video chat, or uh, now the biggest problem is, is people wanting to download television shows from iTunes. Um, if you've got people moving 500 meg files or doing video or five or six people doing that at once, if we walk into a building and just plug into a regular AS, ADSL line, um, we're just going to crash that thing every time. Um, so it's been really frustrating trying to get online and get information. Um, as, as reliable as the system has been in the past, it's currently uh, rather frustrating, and, and you begin to think that what we need is a you know three three lines, three repeaters, and um, and maybe maybe we can get some kind of coverage going on again. But like I said, with with people just hammering the hell out of this line, forty or fifty people at once. The other thing is, it's, yeah, I've talked about it before, it's rather expensive over here, and I had an experience uh, with, uh, uh, there's a link on the site about my whining about um, using uh, this uh, ISP called Swisscom. Uh, they're rather expensive. I mean, if you can imagine paying $27 for 24 hours of uh, internet access. And then I was downloading a, um, a television show, and... Uh, three or four hours into my 24 hours, um, I found out that there's only a 400 meg limit. So they locked me out of my own $30 for a day's worth of internet because I didn't read the uh, EULA close enough and I uh, didn't realize that they had a fair play um, agreement with the media companies, which means they're trying to prevent people from using peer-to-peer -peer networks, uh, which keep in mind things like Skype, are considered peer-to-peer -peer because you're not going through a central server. Um, but it is frustrating to think, um, in talking to some of the other guys, the whole idea of um, you're actually legally downloading, buying, purchasing a show from, um, from like iTunes, and then being locked out of your access because um, the ISP feels that you're doing something that's illegal and you're stealing. And you're not stealing. You're just not. You know, you're, you paid for it. So uh, these ISPs need to relook at, um, at this soon.
because, like I said, the bandwidth requirements for everyone are just going through the, through the roof. Um, and the other thing was uh, I got caught with um, too much weight in my luggage. Um, you know, usually in the United States it's 50 pounds per bag. Uh, you're allowed for domestic and you 70 for international. Um, then you get over here and they, it doesn't matter how many bags you have, if you have two bags, um, you're allowed 20 kilos total, which is 44 pounds. So let's say you packed a 50 pound bag um, and, um, you know, that's the case that I had. Um, I, um, I found out the hard way. I had 14 extra pounds, or actually, I don't know, pounds or kilos, it was kilos. I can't be. Well, maybe it was. I had two bags. And um, they charged me uh, 10 euros per kilo, um, which is, you know, adds up. If you've got 10 or 15 kilos too much, that's a really expensive mistake. And uh, made me pretty mad, but uh, then I mean, I immediately sat down with our itinerary, checked all of the uh, airline websites for all of the airlines we're using the rest of this trip, and found out that um, that uh, it's pretty much across the board 20 kilos. They may charge you 10 uh, 10 euros a kilo, or they might charge you six, depending on the airline. But um, buyer beware. Keep your bags light. Um, in our case, uh, with trucks and buses, we can stash our bags or part, you know, pack a day bag and throw that under the plane, and then uh, and go, you know, meet our main suitcase in the next city. Um, I don't like doing that. I like having everything of mine with me because I'm a pack rat. But uh, it's looking like the carriers and the ISPs and everybody want me to travel lighter. So maybe I'll finally learn how to do that once they tax me to, into submission. I have to a big, give a big thank you to um, the people and the people we worked with in Spain and the people of Spain in general. Um, what an incredibly civilized time I had, an incredibly civilized time um, Angela and I had, and we, we definitely had over here. Um, for a lot of people who don't adapt well to the change in food and culture and language, um, it's a lot more difficult, but I just revel. I just jump into it, and I enjoy it. I like being surprised. Sometimes sometimes things I try aren't, aren't to my liking, and sometimes they are. Uh, but um, it's been another wonderful trip. And um, even though we have a five-day break coming up in, in Germany, I really, really want to come back here. I don't think I'm going to. Um, but I'd really, really like to. Um, not not only on the southern coast of Spain, northern coast, where uh, Santander is. Uh, there's a couple of towns there that I've been to before, which I really, really enjoy. It's a lot uh, more Atlantic and grayer and windier and rockier. And, uh, that's fine by me. Anyways, um, like I said, photos of uh, European trip and of uh, some of the show venues um, are on my Flickr site at uh, flickr.com slash photos dash or uh, you can go through bettermancircle.com or I have some of them hot linked but um, it's uh, 
it's it's going well. And I know it's been a long time since I've done another podcast. Um, I uh, we got a lot of my a lot of my coworkers are wandering around on uh, either side, and uh, we're all uh, really punchy at this point. Um, needless to say, because of uh, the lack of sleep, but. Uh, I'm just trying to make use of my time while I'm here and uh, maybe get another podcast out in the next two days uh, so that you guys don't forget what the hell it is that I I do. Thank you for listening to Parking in Bitterman Circle. You can reach us at our website, which is www.bittermancircle.com. You can leave comments, audio, and otherwise at Aronsky, A-R-O-N-S-K-I, at gmail.com.